Alrighty, this is the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wager partner of the CLNS Media Network, and BetterHelp, you deserve to be happy. We're also brought to you by Divine Sweater, they're on tour, they have an album out. We are going to talk a little bit more about the Celtics offseason this episode, we're going to talk about what Brad Stevens had to say, we're going to talk about some of the coaching rumors about uh, assistants and then also head coaches, and mostly what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the new CBA and some of the financial concerns that Boston might have this offseason or next. So to do all of that, we welcome in Yassi Goslin of Hoopsype. Yassi, how are you? Doing well. How about you guys? We're good. It's early. Um, I haven't even introduced myself. It's so early. I'm Cameron. I'm Cameron Tepteby, your usual host. Alex Goldberg is here. He's on tour and on summer vacation. And Dr. It's Justin true. Quinn is here two hours behind us uh, in North America. So he's extra tired. But we're good. Yeah, I'm extra sleepy. And apologies in advance for vacation microphone. I wasn't lugging the giant uh, Yeti with me. Mm-hmm. No, he sounds like a sky captain. Um, so, Yasi, you are our favorite capologist. You write for Hoops Hype. You're very good at breaking things down. And our last episode, we kind of landed on, look, as much as we have emotional or pragmatic opinions on what the Celtics might do this last season, there's a lot of financial minutia to consider, especially with this new CBA. So that's why you're here. And that's what we will get to in the lab portion of the program. But first, we're going to do the news, as we like to do. We're going to start with Brad Stevens' most recent press conference. And I'll open it up to everyone, but I'll just say that it mirrored a lot of what Joe Mazzulla had to say, which was, look, I don't have an answer why this team doesn't hit their shots and coughs up turnovers when it matters. And I don't think of that as a dereliction of duty. I think of that as a astute uh, underlining of a theme that we're seeing here. But that's just my two cents off the jump. Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you first. Uh, what were the headlines for you? Uh, he said a lot of nothing with a lot of words. Uh, the only thing that I think we can gain from this is that Joe Mazzola is coming back. That was pretty un- unambiguous. Uh the way that he chose to speak about Jalen Brown's uh, potential extension left a lot of wiggle room. Uh, if you really look at what he did say versus what you think he said. And I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, Alex, I, I know that you have a lot of other stuff going on. Did the Brad Stevens presser even register or was it a lot of hot air? Um, you know, I watched some clips uh, here and there. I think, it's it's pretty boilerplate a lot of you know brad stevens presser conferences don't reveal a tremendous amount he's from the belichick school of press conference in a lot of ways um you know i think joe Missoula, by you know kind of after taking a moment to reflect we were all pretty confident that joe Missoula was going to be brought back and it seemed like most of boston media had that understanding as well brad stevens confirming that uh puts that story to bed at least somewhat i think the assistant coaching search is another thing that Brad Stevens mentioned in that press conference, and we'll get to that in a minute, but um, it seems like their priority is there. As far as Jalen Brown, look, I mean, I think there's been a lot of reporting that suggests that both the Celtics front office and Jalen Brown are mutually interested in paying Jalen Brown one of the biggest contracts in NBA history. Um, so I think there is wiggle room for sure in Brad's remarks, and I think that is pretty classic Brad Stevens not saying uh, anything is set until things are actually set. 
Um, he's he's a GM. This is what he does. He needs to be able to be flexible in these moments. Um, but at the same time, I, I think there's nothing in Brad's remarks to indicate that the Celtics are planning on deviating from the plan of paying Jalen Brown a lot of money this offseason. Yeah, see, the sky's been falling on Causeway Street and in Massachusetts, in Celtics Nation uh, writ large. Just whether it's the Brad Stevens comments or the offseason at a glance, vis-a-vis the rest of the NBA, because you cover the whole NBA, how down on their luck is Boston, or do people in Boston need to chill out a little bit? I think people could chill out a little bit because all this, the new CBA, I think it's, it's really, if it's really like impacting every single team that's good right now, that's has good players that has a lot of money committed to their good players, unless you're like Utah or San Antonio, or you have nothing committed this is really uh, affecting everybody and changing the way teams are planning ahead. And I would even say that the Celtics are like in a pretty good position compared to other teams like Philadelphia, Phoenix, uh, some teams that already have no flexibility, but already owe one or two guys like like a lot of money. So uh, I think Boston's fine. I think I think you know, they'll be able to navigate all this pretty smoothly. Uh, ownership obviously showing a willingness to spend. The I guess the, uh, I do have some concerns about the Supermax for Jalen, uh, but whether they decide to, you know, do, make a change later, you know, he's still got a lot of trade value. They'll be able to make that change if needed. So I think they're in pretty they're in pretty good shape compared to most other teams uh, in their competitive position. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get to Jalen in, in just a moment. We have some other tic-tac-y stuff in the news. Although this next bit might be important. A lot has been made around Joe Mazzulla's assistant coach. Uh, what, what group collective noun would you use? Just gaggle of assistant coaches. Um, this team, this is associates, uh, many of whom were Imer Doka hires, I think is worth pointing out, obviously. So Michael A. Scotto, our guy, says that Ben Sullivan, Mike Moser, Garrett Jackson are intending to leave Boston, headed to Houston. There's been some pushback uh, from other reporting, like from The Athletic and elsewhere, but we're going to go with Mike for now on this one. Dr. Quinn, talk us through that reporting and why it matters. Well, uh, you probably heard me complaining and plenty of other people complaining that Joe Mazzul did not really have a modern NBA bench behind him. Uh, the, the staff that you see, well, you just mentioned the bench. Like everyone you said is the bench. Uh, the only people below that are like video coordinators. So like pretty much anyone who has been elevated to an actual assistant coach status will be going out the door if these rooms are true. There's good reason to believe that they're accurate because of the reasons you you, you noted. These were Ime Adoka uh, hires, not uh, Brad Stevens hires. And that may be part of the reason in the first place that Mazzola got the job, as we have discussed in past podcasts. Um, Aaron Miles, Jarrell Christian, they might stick around. Uh, I think I believe Jarrell Christian was hired from the Red Claws, so he's kind of been in the Celtics organization. 
But the bigger concern for me is the broader coaching carousel continuing to turn uh, with all the potentially good assistants getting snapped up. I really want to see the Celtics be proactive here because this is one of the most important, in my opinion, keys to success next season. Sure. I, I think what's interesting about that is Joe Mazzulla is 34. He'll be 35 next season. And so the balance between can you get a championship caliber assistant coach to sign on without either breaking the bank or having weird, you know, parlor politics um, might be easier said than done. Like, so Frank Vogel, for example, just signed with Phoenix, which we can discuss. I, I never really understood that. I, I understood that there was real smoke to that fires and probably real conversations were being had, but Frank Vogel just won an NBA championship to be second fiddle to, I, I like Joe Missoula, but like a pretty weird cold man, uh, who's maybe half your age as a pretty tough sell, especially for a group that doesn't seem like they know how to get over the hump. So I'm curious who and in what capacity they could bring in. Frank Vogel is off the board. He's going to the Suns. Kevin Ollie is going to Brooklyn as an assistant. James Borrego. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so obviously the place you want to start with this conversation is Stephen Silas, uh, who Brad Stevens, it appears, has been courting somewhat. Um, you know, he's been at the practice facility and I think has been spotted around Boston generally. Um, I would not be shocked if they bring on Stephen Silas, especially considering his reputation as a player development guy, which is kind of how he got the job in Houston last year uh, in the first place. He has, by all accounts, a very uh, high reputation as both a player development guy and as a locker room guy, just somebody that players can talk to and rely on. And I think given that, uh, you know, one of the things that came out in that athletic piece is that a lot of players really bonded with Damon Stoudemire, who subsequently left, I think bringing in a guy that players can feel really comfortable with um, is of the kind of one of the highest priorities in this coaching staff search. So to that end, I think if they can get Steven Silas, that that would fit the bill there. Um, there's a couple other guys that I think are being thrown around in the rumor mill that are at least to me somewhat surprising candidates. Um, and I don't know how real they are. Um, but I think if you look at kind of who are the kind of guys who are going to want to work for Joe Missoula, there's definitely something, Cam, I think, to the point that like, um, really experienced veteran coaches who have been head coaches before is probably not the guys who are you are looking for. I mean, Steven Silas might be one thing, but he's only been a head coach for a little bit. Um, like guys like Frank Vogel, guys like Doc Rivers, probably like established head coaches would probably be looking for head coaching jobs at this point. Um, to that end, though, uh, you start to get into this problem of the Celtics bench needing, I think we all agree, some championship experience, people who have actually gone there before. Um, but if you're not getting a coach that has taken people to a championship, what you might end up looking at is players who are being elevated to assistant coaching positions who have championship experience. So two names that I've Maybe heard. in Boston, perhaps? Perhaps. People who have uh, you know links to championship clout in Boston's prior history. Two names that I've heard uh, on that front. And I don't know that we should necessarily put stock into these because they seem pretty gossipy. But um, one of them, perhaps more so than the other, Rajan Rondo has been batted around as a possible head or as a possible assistant coaching candidate. That is, I think, the more clickbaity of the options presented. Yeah. 
that strikes me as not particularly realistic. Um, and I think it would be frankly kind of weird to have Rondo be a coach. But another name that has some Boston championship experience that also has some experience as an assistant coach and that I think you could very much see on Joe Mazzulla's bench is Sam Cassell, who was an assistant last year, who has been an assistant for a couple of years now, um, and who is currently out of a job uh, as Doc Rivers' staff is out in Philadelphia. So I think you, there's a real possibility that you could see Sam Cassell on the bench, and I think that that would actually be a really nice acquisition for this team. Agree. The Rondo thing would be offensive. Um, I'm sorry. Just it like, would be weird. What what you, what happened with Udoka, the Missoula pass that you kind of swept under the rug, bringing in a, a Rondo who I loved as a player, but has a really really complicated and recent history off the court. Just feels not a good move. Really inappropriate. <clears throat> Sam Cassell, though, I think yeah. that that could be something. Big balls, Cassell. Yeah, that's fine. Nothing wrong there that we know of. Okay. I'm going to pause the action. I'm going to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. And then Yasi, that's when you would step into the batter's box because that's when we we ask you to make us sound smart. Go ahead and make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Right now, the Nuggets are up one game, I think, a lot of folks will listen to this on Monday, so who knows what the series standings will be. But Denver's heavily favored, and like we said last podcast, I don't think anyone in Boston cares what the sports book has to say about that one because Boston was heavily favored over Miami. So whether you're a Nuggets fan or you believe in the Heat or whatever, you should head to FanDuel because there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel the official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as an withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 for Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit gamblinghelp.com. A.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. You can visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, or you can call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Yasi, the Celtics came up short. I think we all know that. And they are looking at their third straight season in the luxury tax or second straight season in the luxury tax? I think just first. They were in the luxury tax last? Oh, yeah. They, like, barely missed it last year when they made the finals. Oh, yeah, I remember that. $400,000 or something, yeah. The Daniel Tice trade. As far as... uh, The Daniel Tice trade, yeah. That stuff. They've got a couple (laughs) years until that. Okay, that's good. That's good. 
that's really good. <laughs> okay, so um, they are projected to be about $4 million over the tax, but $11 million below the second apron with 13 contracts expected to be on the book. Can you give us a brief summary of, where, first of all, where the salary, where the tax line might be roughly and um, what the second apron really does under this new CBA? So, I mean, I'll start with that stuff, like what this, uh, you know, the new second apron. So uh, it's, in my opinion, it's more, it's it's like a de facto hard cap. They, the restrictions, all the stuff you, you lose access to, all the trade restrictions, all the future uh, consequences, like what it could do to your draft pick. It really makes it really dis disincentivizes teams to even go over it. Even if, like, I'm curious to see if teams that even are like you know real contenders, finals contenders, if they're even willing to to spend a little more to go above it at all, because it's just so it's just so punishing. So as of this season, the restrictions there aren't too many. Um, they're mostly going to kick in in 24-25. Only things that would impact teams that are above it is they lose the, for this upcoming season, they'll lose access to the mid-level exception. They can't sign buyout players or more specifically players that were waived whose salaries were the mid-level exception. And uh, there's one more thing they can't do. This is if they end up over the second apron this coming season. Yeah, uh, and then the following season, you start to get more stuff like your draft. You you can't trade your draft pick seven years out. You can't uh, take in more salaries than you're sending out in a trade. You can't aggregate players. You can't send cash. Uh, a lot of things you can't do to, to really improve your team at all once you're over the second apron. So... Now, as far as this current season, it's definitely not a concern. And one of the things I, I, I'm i going to keep an eye on is if the Celtics even want to go over the tax at all. Uh, Horford taking that pay cut, he was making like 20, I don't know, 20, whatever it was, 22 mil. Now he's only going to make 10 mil. That helps the Celtics a lot for the season. Like they're, they're only, I only have them four mil over the tax um with almost a full roster and the only thing that is unsolved is what's going to happen to Grant Williams as far as you know the this year's payroll so they can definitely uh they 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 clearly are in a path to avoid it and it might be worth considering just staying below the tax this season you know just to further delay the repeater uh, which gives them a little more leeway to be a tax team over the next few years once Jalen's big extension kicks in and then later Tatum's, because uh, then they're going to be really pot committed. So that'll be interesting. It'll be, I'll be very interested to see how they go about it because maybe they do want to bring back Grant Williams and they can look to uh, trim money elsewhere, whether that could be from one of their middle salaried players like a Malcolm Brogdon, um, you know, trim like a Danilo Gallinari who, you know, we don't know what he's going to look like after missing a whole year. Um, so, uh, so that'll be the, I, I, so obviously that makes what happens to Grant Williams. That'll be a very uh, big thing because 
that, you know, they could go over the tax temporarily, get under it after. Um, but um, yeah, as far as like the second apron stuff, we really don't have to worry about that until the following season. Once Jalen's extension presumably happens. I have a couple of questions about that. You might not know, but for example, if they do end up over the second apron, like I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not, but the uh, full MLE is about just under what the Celtics have uh, for spending power uh, to stay under that second apron. If they did go over it, would they lose access to, for example, the buyout players as long as they were over the second apron or would that kick in the next season or how would that work? The buyout thing is is happening this season. And but if they are over, like say they re-sign him and they go into the season, like normally, for example, you can get under the tax in in the same season and then you're okay. Would that be the case in this situation? Or do we not know yet? So uh, uh what I from what I understand, like if you, I I'm pretty sure if you are over the second apron, like let's say you start over the second apron, uh you should be able to get under it and then still get access to all that stuff later. But the inverse would be, let's say you're just a team like with an average payroll and you end up doing just one thing that a second apron can't do, which is like you do a normal trade, you trade like a $5 million player for like a six, $7 million player. Gotcha. As in, like, but next season when the all those restrictions really kick in, now you're you're hard capped from the uh, you're hard capped. So then you could so you can never have a chance to be a, a first or second apron team. Uh, so, so that's that's my interpretation of how it's going to work. Like, something as simple as that, um, you know, will hard cap you now. Wait, so cool. just taking back a little extra salary is going to trigger a hard cap. So for this year, teams uh, over the, I believe, the first apron. Yeah, even just the first. So, th- so this oh, will apply the first apron. You can only take back 10% of what you're se- sending okay. out. So once so you're in the means if, That means bit. if a team is sending like a $5 million player and they take back someone making more than $6 million, they can't even go above the first apron anymore. And the inverse would be if you're over the first apron – you can only take back 10% and that's it. Like any other trade wouldn't be allowed uh, if for this coming season. And then the next coming season is just zero. It's just a hundred percent of the salary you're sending out. So that's another thing I am interested in seeing is because this, if the Celtics are going to be big spenders, uh, like they're right at this first apron right now. And if they're going to, um, if they want to do like one more big trade, this is probably their last chance because once, you know, again, Brown gets his extension. Uh, they're definitely, I feel like they're, I'm not, I'm not looking at the numbers, but I would imagine that once they fill out the roster, they're probably going to be uh, pretty deep into the tax and they won't be able to take on more money at all in trades. So this season they can at least, if they're going to be, you know, deep into the tax, they could take in like 10% more of uh what they're sending out they can still aggregate players they can still do that stuff um but i then then next season it gets way harder to do that stuff so to that end and i think this is probably a logical place to kind of transition into the grant williams discussion because it seems like he's pretty central to this um 
would it then potentially say make sense for Boston to sign Grant Williams to a larger than expected contract with the intention of packaging him now with uh, another, like one of those mid-level salaries as kind of the last big move that Boston can make before all of these punitive cap measures trigger? Like, is that something that we could realistically see with regard to Grant this offseason? Personally, I think that's a good idea. I like, I still like Grant Williams a lot. Uh, I know his role got marginalized throughout the playoffs, but I think he brings a lot of positional scarcity to me. He, his floor is like PJ Tucker, which I think is pretty damn good. There's not a lot of players like that. And I think a lot of teams would like a guy like that. So if you can get him on a contract that if the Celtics can get him on a contract that they view as, you know, somewhat team friendly and tradable, I would say, yeah, re-sign him now and just figure it out later do whatever trade you need to do later maybe there's a team that really values him and they can do some kind of consolidation trade and get a, a really nice guy uh or maybe they end up just trading him mid-season to avoid the tax um you know there's a lot of different options but as just this season you they still have that flexibility to do stuff uh because like not all the restrictions are are coming in so I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't just let Grant Williams go. I think that, bring him back and there's they still have plenty of room to do stuff later. So to that end, prior to discussions uh, that broke down last offseason, a lot of people were projecting Grant Williams to be around the 15 million a year range. Um, and then obviously he had a kind of weird and inconsistent season uh, this year. Given um, the value that uh, might be attached to kind of bringing Grant Williams back on maybe a larger than expected contract to use him as a trade asset, as well as his inconsistent play, as well as the numbers that were speculated last offseason, what range are we looking at for a Grant Williams extension, would you say? So I think, so the mid-level exception went up a lot. Uh, they're they're raising it by a decent amount as part of the new you know CBA, just giving it a boost. Uh, so you know that yeah, fifteen million range. I mean, I think that's definitely still possible, but it might be more like around thirteen mil. Uh, that's base. That's basically the mid level exception now, the full mid level exception, and there's going to be a lot of teams with that uh, able to offer it. So. I gotta, I, you know, listen, like, uh, I could be wrong, but I would think that's his floor. Um, I, you know, there's really, again, there's not a lot of players, there's like really no one like him on the market and, uh, uh, available. So I have to imagine there's going to be several teams uh, interested in him and offering him that. And let's see, maybe he'll, he'll get a little more, but I think that's just like a safe range for now. Yeah, he did have a down season and, uh, you know, it was definitely a weird, uh, definitely a weird season for him. So I would, if if he, if it was a little more consistent, we might be talking like 15, 16, but I still think he's in a pretty safe range there with the mid-level. All right, let's pause the action. Let's talk about our friends at BetterHelp. And then we have a few more questions for you, Yossi. Dope. This episode of the Self-Except Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. And one of the things that we think the service is really good about is just helping you grow as a person and change because that's a lifelong process. I 
it's a really fascinating time of the year as a teacher because you get to see like kind of holistically how students have grown and changed over the year but so much of that is because there are teachers and counselors and people actively pushing them to reflect and write things down and express themselves and things like that and then as an adult you don't really have that that scaffold to to grow year over year or through challenges or things like that and so therapy can be a really useful pathway for that where it's you and a licensed therapist and they support you in talking through how you're growing what your goals are how you might try something new or try a different perspective and we think better help is a great place for that. Starts with a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist. And importantly, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash lab and you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash lab. So Yasi, it sounds like this is complicated stuff. <laughs> and I would just caution listeners that like maybe your favorite trade machine hasn't updated itself yet because it sounds like the the trade uh, legalese is really really different do you think so boston is about the full mid-level exception under the second apron yasi i'll go to you and, and then justin um do you see it as something that they would bump up against or do you think that they're going to keep a little distance between them and the second apron uh, do you mean like this upcoming season or like long term? Ooh, I guess I don't know. Because um... this upcoming season, I would say it's possible they go over it. Um, like if you bring back Grant Williams and then they don't really do much else, they may, mainly go about the same roster. Then, yeah, they're basically over the second apron and they don't they don't really have to do anything else. And again, like uh there's not too many restrictions, but, um, you know, like they, they still wouldn't be able to, uh, they wouldn't have the mid-level, but just the, but being over the first apron, they can't do, they can't participate in the buyout market. Um, so maybe they even want to stay below the first one. Maybe they don't mind being a little bit in the tax, but they want to still have the flexibility to, uh, sign a buyout guy. So I don't know. It's tough to say. But like, if they're gonna go over the second apron any season, I guess this one because they already again they already have a full roster and there's not really any restrictions to it. Uh, future seasons, I gotta imagine that they're uh, unless the rot like they'll only go over it if the roster is remains as deep as it currently is. Like the roster they have the past two years, that's like the type of roster you want if you're going to go over the second apron and not be able to do anything else like you're already done mm -hmm. that's really the only time you you know you're willing to spend and your rosters and you know you don't have anything else to do that's a good position to be a second apron team in my opinion and you know you're a surefire at least conference finals contender right. um if they're not in if you don't if they don't check all those boxes then i i would they'd probably want to be more cautious about going over it in future seasons. Interesting. Yeah. We last episode, we kind of <clears throat> decided there's three ways Boston could play this. One is they run it back almost to a T. Maybe they give Grant that middle level exception and they pay a little bit in the tax that they make some sort of lateral move where they trade Brogdon or smart or Robert Williams or something. Um, but it sounds like that's easier said than done under this new framework that even, uh, 
kind of a sideways move could be kind of difficult just with other teams also having to balance their cap. And then the third path we considered was maybe Boston reloads a little bit, whether it's moving on from Jalen Brown or, or stripping things down big time and punting on this season. But it sounds like the following season, things get more complicated. So uh, that's very helpful. <laughs> and I think that's why your point, uh, and I kind of teed you up for this, that look, it sounds bad, but like every team is dealing with this as a really important one to hold on to. Cause there's, I think this is gonna be a frustrating off season at times cooking up fun trades and then being like, Ooh, it doesn't work. Or the other team couldn't do it, but everyone's going to be dealing with that. I think we're going to see some very surprising moves that we're not really expecting to see as teams make some individual calculi about whatever it is they see in their future as well. So I think it's going to be a pretty interesting off season. I think yeah. um, Go ahead. like that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns has every illness, but it's all, they're all like log jammed at the door. They can't get through. And so he's fine. I think it might be that until it's not Justin that like every team is looking to make one of these moves, but until someone blinks, everyone's kind of stuck. And it so- really, sorry, just one more thing. It really does feel like um, the the kind of inflection point for me on like what's going to happen this off season is what happens with James Harden. That's the shoe that has to drop before everything gets moved. And then from there, I think we're going to see a whole mess of things. So a lot of there's a lot of speculation that there's going to be a lot of star player movement this offseason. Um, we'll see. Be- I'm not too sure because, again, like none of the main restrictions kick in until next season. So and, and right now there's a lot of parity. A lot of teams think they have a chance, especially now seeing what the Heat did. I think there's going to. I think this offseason you might still see a lot of these like in the middle playing range, late playoff, uh, end of lottery teams. They'll try to be good. And then maybe the trade deadline could be where we see a lot of action once a lot of these teams fail. And now the, the, the actual CBA changes are really on the horizon because you've, you've since there's still like a year grace period, so to speak, uh, the urgency isn't quite there. Like, for example, if you're a Minnesota, one of the things I'm keeping an eye on is they're paying Rudy Gobert over 40 mil. They're paying they're about to start paying Anthony Edwards, probably a max contract. Jaden McDaniel is going to get a lot of money. And then Carl Anthony Towns has that super max about to kick in. So if they keep all four of those guys, they're going to be over the tax. They could be over like the second apron too. Is that like, unless that team really plays really well, at least like a, you know, home court advantage, like their top four seed, at least I think you got to be better than that to justify paying all those guys. But if they're in that position where they're paying all those guys and they're over the second apron, you got to wonder like, okay, is this really worth spending all this money? And then maybe in the trade deadline, we could see them do something like try to trade towns. Um, so, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, this off season, yeah, it could be in it could be, you know, a lot of star movement, but not for the reasons of, Oh, like we got these restrictions coming up. It's going to be expensive. So let's trade our, one of our best guys. I don't think we're there yet. Even teams like the Warriors Clippers, uh, that are actually already projected to be over the second apron. I think I could see them staying over it this upcoming season. And then maybe we could see some, you know, finally, the you know, the, the changes were targeted at teams like them 
maybe they finally start to break things up like in around a year from now or six months from now. I, I do think that there might be a chance that rather than stars moving players in the middle might be moving around as well as, as teams look to try to clean up their books in anticipation of those <laughs> tougher penalties. Yeah. And unless there's another one Benyama in the draft, it might be the case of fewer teams really bottom out to the middle class of players. There's more of a market for them. Um, Dr. Quinn, your, your travel mic, I think it might sound better. Like it, it's so clear that you're using a different mic, but there's a in, interesting clarity in your voice. I'm excited for you to edit this podcast and think through that. Hear okay. myself, sure. Yasi, uh, Yossi, Yasi. I don't know. I put a Boston accent on, on names that don't deserve them. Um, we already talked about our like kind of emotional or X's nose perspectives on Jalen Brown. Can you help us with the cap side? So if you're Boston. What are the financial benefits to re-signing Jalen Brown and what are the financial disadvantages to signing Jalen Brown to the 295 five-year Supermax? So I guess the biggest one is if – it's not even a big one, but if they give him the Supermax now, they can't trade him for a year. Um, so, you know, if you – now I don't think they're going to even consider trading him at all this season, but – you know, obviously, if you're Boston, the goal right now is to re-sign Jalen Brown to something and, you know, probably keep going with this team again. I don't, you know, they're probably going to run this back again and just take it year by year, but at least get Jalen Brown locked down because the, the assumption would be if you have him with more years, he should have more trade value. He obviously has a lot of trade value now, but if you ever need to do that move, uh, a year from now, he'll if he has four or five years left on his contract, a lot of teams will be interested if needed. So it's tricky because I'm, I think the way this you know the way the that the supermax gets rewarded is pretty strange, and you know, to be once you're all NBA at a your seventh or sixth season, whatever it is. That's if you make an all NBA team, okay, now you're eligible. And I think this year's all NBA was definitely one of the most flawed selection wise we've seen in a while. <laughs> um, and if it were up to me, I don't, I wouldn't have had him make an all NBA. I didn't like vote when I made my, you know, all NBA teams that doesn't count, you know, the league doesn't take that into consideration. I wouldn't have had him at all in the top in, in any all NBA team. And it's gonna, st- and now the system's gonna get even more weird because now games played matters. So I feel like a guy like Mikel Bridges, who never ever uh, missed a game, he's probably gonna make an All NBA team one of these years, especially with the way <laughs> he's playing. He can't be super max eligible since he got traded now, but you get the point. Uh, it's just a weird way to decide who gets this mega contract. Um, I I would fear that, you know, I like Jalen Brown a lot. I think he's a top 20-ish player. Um, but if you're talking about paying the absolute most money to a guy, I don't feel good about paying him equally to the Jokic's and the Giannis's. And so good chance that does become a negative value 
contract in the future. And the thing I would keep a look at is now with all these restrictions coming up, any discount you can get on your best player really matters in the long run. Uh, like, so personally, I would try to negotiate with him if I'm the Boston. Uh, I know that's not how the NBA has worked. Usually mm-hmm. when you're a top 40 ish player and you enter free agency, you, you just get the max. That's just how things are. But I now, if you're going to, I don't think you can really operate quite like that um, in this new NBA. I, I think there's got to be some room for negotiation now. Um, and we'll see. Well, um, maybe I don't, I don't think it's going to start with Jalen Brown, but maybe a couple of years from now, once the new restrictions uh, kick in, we'll actually see teams pushing back on giving certain players that are obviously like all-stars, but not elite guys just like a no-brainer max. Um, I, I get the feeling that will change in the future. It's tough, though, for this case, because I think realistically, even though he's coming off of one of the worst playoff series of his career, Jalen Brown, I think, has more leverage in this than uh, the Celtics do at this point, mm-hmm. particularly given also that as a major figure in the players union and a VP, there is an overwhelming incentive for him to not accept anything less than the most that he could possibly be paid. So it's going to be tricky. It's going to be um, a challenge for the Celtics to figure it out. But to your point, you'll see, I do think um, at the end of the day, what's overwhelmingly the likely option is that the Celtics will pay Jalen uh, however much they need to pay to keep him and then if uh, they are going to move on from him, it will probably be after next year um, with, you know, a cost-controlled four-year locked-in deal at that point or five-year locked-in deal. Um, and that will be complicated to move for a number of reasons. But um, I do think that is overwhelmingly the most likely outcome here. Yeah, I, I see that. I don't think it's changing this year. I don't think teams are going to you know, change the wheel this year, maybe it'll be like a short, uh, slow process. All right. So let's pause there because I'm going to give our listeners some homework first. Four things. First, check out Yossi's work over at Hoopsite. Second, check out Divine Sweater's new album. Third, like and subscribe to this podcast. But the most important assignment is the following. Boston is going to do their part. They're going to sign Jalen Brown to a super duper max. And then they're going to sign Jason Tatum to a really big super max. And what you need to do as an NBA fan is you need to watch the NBA on legal cable providers. So in 2026 or whatever it is, the NBA's TV deal jumps dramatically and suddenly Boston has a below market deal for their two superstars. That's the ace in the hole here is the TV money comes through and suddenly Boston has their championship core locked up when all the money gets funny again. So check out all of our work, like and subscribe to our podcast also gas the TV numbers up for the NBA because if the NBA gets a big payday, suddenly Boston's cap sheet looks really different. And um, tell your your you know elected official no cap smoothing. We want we want a big spike. Okay, just put it on in the background. You don't even have to watch it if you're still you're still sore from the playoffs. Yes, but as Mark Cuban might say, no piracy or do whatever. I don't care. You can take money out of ESPN's pocket. Um, Yossi. Thank you. As uh, always, we hope there's not too much confusing cap stuff 
to talk about anytime soon. But if um, this Jalen thing goes sideways, we're going to need your help. Otherwise, I hope to see you personally in Vegas. And I'll say thanks for listening to everyone else. So adios. We'll catch you later. Bye. Thanks for having me on.